for you. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, this for my dogs from the east to the west side. Rock it brown and orange with me, baby. Let's ride. Represent the land, let them know. Tell them, here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Here We Go Brownies podcast. I am Allie Heisong, coming at you live from Seeds Ferry, North Carolina. And joined with me, as always, out in beautiful Boise, Idaho, we've got Dustin. Dustin, how's it going? How you doing? I'm good, Allie. I watched a football game that probably shouldn't have been won, that the Browns never get that happen. And for the first time in, I don't know, 10 years, the Browns get a game go their way with the officials. So we got to win. Uh, my boy State team was in a bye week, so they didn't win or lose. And uh, I'm T-minus less than 48 hours from being in Seattle to go go join all these Browns fans. And the bus is literally somewhere between Montana and the Idaho border as we literally speak um, as it's making its trek. I don't know if you saw it, Allie, but the bus stopped off at Joe Thomas's house. Paul Brown went into the house and did a little uh, podcast with Joe Thomas. So that bus has got... The quite the adventure that bus is taking. So. Well, let's let's kick it off with our good friends over at Lorello Vineyards. We talk about the bus. That is our good friend, uh, L- Larry Larry Lorello from uh, Lorello Vineyards, and he has the Kennel Two bus. So that's what Dustin's talking about. When you're at the Muni lot, you will see it right then and there as soon as you walk in. But I want to give a shout out to our friends over at Lorello Vineyards. They are a family-owned boutique winery. Uh, located in the heart of Grand River Valley of Geneva. You can get their old world inspired blends, or you can also order online. You can go to laurellavineyards.com and uh, get your hands on some award-winning Here We Go Brownies podcast wine. Uh, so that sounds fun, Dustin. That sounds like a good time. I think Seattle would be a fun one to get to. Oh, That'll be fun. Good. That'll be a good one. It is cr- so just full disclosure, any of you guys that are watching the show tonight and are going out to Seattle, We've now had to move the tailgate parking lot to twice the size because um, of the amount of demand of fans that are going to be there. And from what I heard about Indianapolis, um, Pat McAfee talked about it this week that the fans and uh, the Browns fans took over the entire upper decks in Indianapolis. So uh, as we win, we also travel well. Not that we didn't travel well before, but people are getting a good buzz on this team. They're excited to watch this defense. I think people are rallying around this defense and this team. Um, there was a press conference today where a lot of, I think it was Kareem Hunt made the comment, this team plays for each other. I think the fans see that. This is a different vibe happening in that building. And I'm excited to see this team. And honestly, the way the defense is playing, I think we can be in any game with that defense, the way they're playing. And by the way, quick shout out to Mr. Miles Garrett for AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yes, sir, you have done it again. But you got AFC defense. And by the way, you are a one-man wrecking crew on Sunday. Yeah, and uh, by the way, now a minority owner uh, of, oh, the, yes, of the Cavaliers. Cavaliers. So, so that's pretty cool. Cavs are currently up 31-21 over the Brooklyn Nets. So that's really exciting um, over there in Cleve- or you know, in, in Brooklyn. Um, let's get into it. We did not have a show on Sunday, a post-game show, just due to some travel, due to some uh, a little under the weather. You know how it goes. We do apologize for that. But because of that, big we've got show. a jam- big show. jam-packed big-time big show, show coming into us tonight. Um, and we are going to go longer than we normally do. So, so uh, stick around. It's going to be a good one. We've Buckle got Mike up. Pruitt. Mike Pruitt coming on here in a few moments. And then later on, we'll be joined by Cameron Justice, um, who is 
best in the game in terms of reporting. So uh, be sure to stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. But I do want to talk, Dustin, about the game against Indianapolis. Um, this was a game that the Browns probably shouldn't have won. Um, they come away 39-38 um, in a hard-fought win. And I, I want to give credit. Uh, Shane Steichen, man, he's he's doing some really unique things offensively. And when we talk about creative offense in the league, that doesn't necessarily mean um, – just trick plays, right? We talk about the, just the different wrinkles and folds that you want to see this Browns offense run. Um, and they haven't done a ton of it. Now, part of that being limited to the personnel that they have out there, right? Whether right. it's a, a hurt Deshaun Watson, whether it's PJ Walker or DTR. But I do want to give credit to Shane Steichen and what they're doing offensively in Indianapolis with the backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew. I, I mean, it, it's they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. I think once they get Anthony Richardson back, that's going to be a really good team uh, the next couple of years. So they gave your Cleveland Browns defense a pretty big fit. Um, so I think it was a good test. Uh, but you mentioned it, Dustin. There were some some officiating calls that certainly went our way. And we'll take it. We will take it. Uh, I know By the way, that, that never, that no, never happens. Well, and but, also, it'll be interesting to see what uh, the owner of the Colts, if he get what kind of fine he's going to get. Because uh, he went out to the X, formerly known as Twitter, and said, oh, yeah, the league, uh, we had a little call. They told me they screwed it up. You're not supposed to do that. That's supposed to be do- done in confidence. And he put it out on social media. So I'm assuming the owner's going to get fined or something's going to be uh, penalized for him. But he's kind of a, he's kind of an out there kind of owner. He's kind of known for sharing his opinion. Yeah, he's, he's very outspoken. I, a friend of mine uh, worked in Indianapolis, and he said, yeah. The Ursays, they're something. So obviously he's not afraid to put his opinion out there. So nonetheless, um, yeah. the Browns do come away with a win. Um, I thought Miles Garrett alone, uh, I mean, I've never seen anything like it um, in my lifetime. A defensive player for, for your Cleveland Browns that are, is playing at the level that he is. I mean, he absolutely wrecked this game um, in several, several phases, even on special teams when he just launches over uh the line of scrimmage to to block a field goal i mean he was all over the place um in, in terms of a, a zone defense uh i thought that the the browns struggled a little bit um but that's okay i'm curious to see how jim schwartz irons that out uh yeah. in in the game against seattle sure. so that's going to be a pretty big test as well offensively you do what you can you do lose jerome ford where he's going to be sidelined for a couple of weeks that's a pretty big blow um but you have kareem hunt uh, and then we've got next man up, Pierre Strong Jr., who they traded for. So uh, we'll get Mike Krewitz, uh his take on that here in just a few moments. Uh, he is joining, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun interview. Um, but offensively, you did what you had to do. Um, Amari Cooper had a slow day. He didn't see the ball very often. Um, PJ s- stepped up when Deshaun went out. Um, and it wasn't pretty. This was not a pretty win. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Yeah. Those are hard to come by. And your Cleveland Browns are now, uh, where are they, Dustin? They're four, they're four and two. Well, they're four and two. And more importantly, I think if we would have looked at this six weeks ago and we said the Browns will be four and two without Deshaun Watson and without Nick Chubb playing in this football game uh, for most of that time period other than a few weeks. I think yeah. we'd be like, no, that's not that's not happening. That's that's not possible. We're going to be done. And I will say this: Browns are three and a half uh, point underdogs to the Seahawks, which basically they're just giving that, you know, three points to the home team. So it's kind of neutral. But I think the defense will play well again this week. And PJ Walker is serviceable. We now know that uh, that uh, Deshaun Watson has been officially listed as out and PJ Walker yeah. has been upgraded to the 53 man roster and signed a one year deal with the Browns. So, um 
I'm not totally opposed to this. Uh, we saw this a couple of years ago with Baker Mayfield trying to play through an injury, and then he just shredded his shoulder by the end of the season. And I think the Browns learned their lesson from that, that you probably need the guy for the entire season and possibly the playoffs. Because if, and I say this with if, if the Browns can get this win this Sunday and move to 5-2, and two, and they get back to home and play the Cardinals, which is, by the way, a winnable game at that point. If they can get to six and two, this Cleveland Browns team can go 500 down the stretch, be 10 and seven, and still make the playoffs. That's a very doable thing. And that's a very doable thing to go 500 if you get to six and two. And hopefully you do better than that. But that is definitely doable. And if the playoffs were tomorrow and they're not, the Browns would be the sixth seed in the AFC playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how wins are hard to come by. You have to win the games that you're supposed to. We feel that the Browns kind of stolen from San Francisco, but you know what? It counts, counts for something. The Browns were supposed to win this game against Indianapolis, and although it wasn't necessarily pretty, they still were able to do it. Um, You've got Seattle, and then you've got Arizona upcoming. Um, Both are winnable games, and we've talked about this, Dustin, that this Browns team, they can beat anybody in the league, but they can also lose to anybody in the league. Mm -hmm. And it is important and imperative that they go – um, game by game, they don't look ahead at all, um, you know, within the depths of the schedule because they can beat anybody. Um, let's, let's, before we turn it over, I just want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Stadium Mustard. If you don't have Stadium Mustard in your kitchen this season, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. The iconic brand, the iconic taste, beloved for ballparks to backyards and everywhere in between. Stadium Mustard is a smooth brown mustard, rich in both taste and tradition. It's loved by millions. So head on over to stadiummustard.com to shop now. Uh, before we bring on Mike Pruitt, just a quick word from our friends over at Circle K. Fans, get ready for a sizzling sensation that's about to heat up your taste buds. Circle K is bringing you a hot deal this football season. Introducing Circle K's Hot Chicken Wing. And the best part, the price is as hot as the wings themselves. Pick up six wings for just $5.99 at your local Circle K today. So what are you waiting for? Gather your friends, your family, and anyone else who craves the ultimate wing experience. Circle K, where every deal is hotter than ever before. Here we go. Go brownies only at Circle K. Let's bring them on. Join with us. We've got Mike Pruitt. Mike, how's it going? Thanks for taking the time. I'm fine. How about you, Ali? I am great. We are so happy to have you on. Good. Mike, well, thank you for having me. Hey, Mike. Hey. It was a, how are you doing, Mike? Good to see you again. Dustin, how are you, how are you doing? I, I, yeah. I'm doing? I'm doing great, Mike. It was great to see you at the Taste of Browns. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, out there, it really out was. there in Cleveland, uh, great, great fundraiser, obviously for the Greater Food, Greater Cleveland Food yeah. Bank, uh, able to field, uh, able to feed a million, a million people, you know, a million wow. meals, which is great, which is crazy that's to fantastic. think, but yeah, it's crazy what that that twenty fifth anniversary that was too, which to believe that that's been going on for twenty five years. You but, got that uh, right. <laughs> yeah, but interesting enough, Mike, before we came on the show here. Um, as you know, your Cleveland Browns are not with Mike Ford this week. He has a high ankle uh, uh, sprain. Is that right, uh, Allie? I think it's right. something like that. Um, right. And, you know, they're going to have to go out with Kareem and Strong this week. And so you played, obviously, uh, you have a unique perspective on this, playing in the National Football League and for the Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns as a running back. Tell us what that is like when you have to be that next man up and know that you got to be the guy uh, – in a situation where, or one of your one of your players that goes with you is down for that week. Well, you know what, it's, it's it's a situation that you always have to be ready for, because you know, playing this game, it could be one week, it could be one day, you get hurt at practice, 
and uh, you you have to step up. So again, having somebody step up uh, is always a, a, a great thing, you know. So um, being a running back, you know, it's it's a tough game. It's where you don't get hit, you get hit every play, <laughs> you know. So you you you're being you being hit and uh, being a running back, you know. And I and I give a lot of uh, respect to the guys like Kareem Hunt and those guys, you know, uh, Jerome Ford, uh, being pretty good, you know, pretty good running backs and being able mm-hmm. to take it. You know, it was it was tough losing Chubb, you know, and, right. um, you know, he was he was going well. And, uh, you know, to lose him to to an injury, you know, so early on in the season, uh, you can see sort of late in the season, you know, maybe the body is getting tired, but. Yeah, him being hurt so so early on, you know, that was very very difficult. It's hard to overcome, and truthfully, Nick Chubb's a player that you can't replace. You know, you can't go out in frequency <laughs> or trade for a player that is Nick Chubb because he's one of one. But I want to take it back to last year. You've got Nick Chubb, you've got Kareem Hunt, really a two headed monster in that backfield. Mm-hmm. And I think you can relate to this, right? You were a two-headed monster in the backfield in your playing days with with right. you and with Greg. What was that like? Did you ever have any issues where, you know, it's kind of hard to balance the workload or understand roles? What was kind of approaching that system like? Well, you know what? Uh, um, because then they had, they call them running backs now, but they had halfbacks and they had fullbacks in my day. Uh, they used to call them that. And uh, playing with Greg, you know, I knew Greg. I had heard of Greg in, in college uh, when he was at Oklahoma. So when I came to the Browns, yeah, i tell you this real quick little story. Uh, I, I go up to Greg and uh, and I introduce myself because, you know, I'm Cleveland's number one draft choice. So I remember Greg from college. So I, I go up to Greg and I say, man, Greg, man, it's so great to meet you. And uh, I followed you in, in college. He looked at me and he said, hey, they drafted you to block for me. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. Well, <laughs> I was dumb. I didn't know what to say. I, I, I was standing there studying. I, 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 I. Then, I, then I got mad. <laughs> I said, then I said, hey, you were a number two draft choice. I was a number one. <laughs> But we became best of friends after that, and it, it was great. That's why, you know, I say, you know, the running backs, uh, you know, that they have uh, with Kareem and them. Kareem does a, can do a very good job. I mean, he's a strong back, uh, you know, has some speed. Uh, I think this with the other running backs, Jerome Ford, I think it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, you know, so far, so good. You know, that's the only thing. When your top guy goes down, everybody else, has to step up. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's interesting, Mike. Uh, it, Greg, we had on earlier, exactly told that same story. So it's funny. We didn't really even, get out yeah, of here. Are you no, serious? He, yeah, he, we we didn't re- we didn't rehearse this, but I was like, is oh he gonna my tell, goodness, no I kidding. Like, yeah, I was like, is he going to tell the story where they got into it on the first day of meeting? So I, I thought that was day. Yeah, first day. Yeah, it was like, and that's exactly he said it verbatim, just like like you did. And he goes, he goes, but he set me straight and told me I was. I was number two. Uh, I I, first of all, I, I I couldn't believe he even said that, you know, because <laughs> I was I was one of those guys that were in awe of Greg Pruitt. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm thinking, man, he's got the same last name. 
man, he was a Heisman Trophy runner up. Man, I, I get I get to see this guy. I get I get I get to play with him. Yeah. Then he tells me that, and I I wanted to put him in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I love I love that competitive nature. But it just goes to show that iron really does sharpen iron. Um, really, right. really, you know, I was really excited to ask you that, just because I think that you have such a unique perspective on that. Um, and then you look at guys like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who have just com completely separate playing styles and completely separate personalities. Um, what mm -hmm. do you think about Pierre Strong? You know, with Jerome Ford being out, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Pierre Strong right. is now going to be elevated. Now, unless they make a trade for somebody prior to the deadline, which is possible, right. or sign somebody. Right. There's some guys out there. Um, we're right. pretty thin in the running back room. And, I mean, we are even running out uh, Nick Harris, a center, as fullback. What are your thoughts on some, some of these <laughs> kind of creative, you know, wrinkles, if you will? Well, you know what? Uh, you have to be you have to be creative. Uh, I remember when we were playing, uh, we had a, a number of injuries. We had to uh, make some of the uh, I forget uh, Doug Deacon at the time. Uh, mm. We had to make him tight end. You know what I mean? Because all our tight ends were hurt. So he was a ah. you know offensive offensive lineman. So we had to, you know, have one of the other guys play offensive line and have him play tight end because we didn't have anybody. It's not like, you know, you can go get guys, you know, you can go get guys now. Guys sometimes are, are available, but back then they weren't as available uh, uh, around the league. So, again, being able to fill in, that's that's the key in any team that you have. You got to have guys that, you know, that may not play that position but could, could step up because we had offensive linemen that would come in the game as a fullback, you know, mm -hmm. to block for the running back, especially around what they call the goal line. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Dustin know what I he, he remember that, you know. I think that was a little bit before your, your time. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> My dad told me all about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. There, see you, there you go. There you go. But, uh, you know, and but having the guys being able to step up and, and, and do and, and fill in that really at any position. Uh, you know that that's a good thing because again sometimes players aren't 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 that available and uh, you know you need to do something right away the week's coming up I've seen guys get hurt at practice um now they don't hit like they they used to right. hit uh, uh, and probably we used to hit like we were in a game and stuff but now you know everything is you know the, the, hand, you know, touching and everything else. So, which is good because, again, nobody gets hurt right before the game. Well, yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because we've had Hanford on. I've, Hanford's even said it on his own show. He's like, practice? I don't even know what that is out there when I'm watching him play practice. He goes, that doesn't even look like practice to me. It looks like they're just playing around. Like, he goes, we, you know, we got hurt. We went home hurting after practice. So, you know what you did. Yeah. You went to the ice tub after practice. Yeah, right. He was like, he was like, that was a practice. If we if we felt it, that was a good practice, right? Um, so speaking of that, you know, we've had Joe Delamalier De on. We've had uh, mm -hmm. your friend Greg Cleo has been on the show. What is, I guess, my question for you? You know, obviously, you're one of those unique people, um, and we talk about this that I think is so unique to Cleveland. Um, these guys that don't grow up in Cleveland. Uh, end up staying in Cleveland and making it their home. The Cleos, the Gregs, the Mikes, like yourself, the mm -hmm. Hanfords, the Felix, all 
you know, all these guys that don't grow up here, but just right. fall, fall in love with Northeast Ohio and become a part of that. Um, tell us, I guess my question is why, you know, you fell in love with Northeast Ohio and stayed there. And what was one of your fondest memories playing for the Cleveland Browns? Okay, well, staying here was a really a no-brainer. Being from Chicago, okay, Chicago's got 24-7 traffic jam, okay, uh, all day. Uh, it takes you an hour to get anywhere in Chicago, even if it's uh, five miles away because you got uh, traffic, you know, that, that's mm -hmm. backed up. And you know what? I, I had, It's interesting you mentioned that. I told my mother when I got drafted by the Browns, I said, Mom, I'll come back here to visit, but I'm never coming back here to live yeah. ever again. I said, you know, there's too many people. The people are rude. You know, you got traffic jam. I said, Cleveland is a big city, but you can get around. Yeah, I agree. You, know, you don't have to worry about traffic jams. You don't have to worry about being all backed up. You don't have to worry about people being, you know, rude and cutting you, you know, cutting you off. You know, you're on the highway, man. They cut you off in a minute, <laughs> you know. So driving in Chicago is like driving in the, uh, one of those derby, you know, you know, where, you know, yeah. they hit each other. Yeah, it's like driving yeah. in the, in the oh, car yeah. derby. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I say this to this day. I Cleveland, you know, being a larger area, is still one of the most drivable and accessible yes. cities. If you want to, everything seems like it's twenty minutes away. Like it literally seems like everything's twenty minutes away. That's true, and and you don't mind driving. You know what I mean? Even right. if it takes you a little bit longer, you don't mind driving because people aren't blowing at you and cutting in front of you and everything. Else. Yeah, that's what you get in Chicago. Chicago, you better be a defensive driver. If not, you're going to have an accident. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So, Mike, talk to me about this. I know that you just kind of mentioned your almost welcome to the NFL moment with, with Greg Pruitt and the way that, you know, your first couple interactions there. But do you have like an on, on the field welcome to the NFL moment where maybe you took a big hit or, you know, there, there was a player from another team that just let you know, hey, rookie, you know, we're here. Do you have an, a welcome to the NFL moment? That oh, you yes, indeed. It's interesting you mentioned that. <laughs> I sure do. I never forget. I was playing in uh, probably one of my first games as, as a rookie. And guess who we happened to be playing? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course. <laughs> of course. And so uh, I get a chance um, to – actually block i was actually blocking and uh i never forget i think it was greg coming behind me you know i would block and i get hit from the blind side and i never saw it coming and i'm Oof. i'm laying there all woozy and everything and i don't i don't know what happened and joe green mean oh. joe green oh. <laughs> says he says to me, look, he's looking down at me. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Wow. <laughs> he said, so welcome to the NFL. <laughs> literally, literally, there's your moment. There's your moment. There's my moment. I'm thinking. And I didn't see him coming. I don't know where he came from. But uh, oh I think, I don't know if Greg got around him or not. But he <laughs> knocked me down, knocked me out. I'm thinking, wow, okay. Did he just chuckle? You know, him and Jack Lambert, they just they just chuckled at me, you know. <laughs> yeah, rookie. 
Welcome to the NFL. <laughs> I would have dropped wow. dead. I would have dropped dead. Go ahead, Dustin. Well, as I just mm. say, yeah, especially with someone like Mean Joe Green that ends up being a legendary player in the National Football Very League. True. Um, Very true. You know, what, you know, we, I, and I mentioned this uh, off air, you know, we recently lost, I consider the arguably the best running back of all time in Jim Brown. No doubt uh, about it. Wanted to just get your unique perspective, what your relationship was with Jim Brown, you know, and, you know, obviously coming in uh, as a running back mm -hmm. after him. And what did right. he teach you and what lessons did he teach you in life and in football? Because he was much bigger than football. And I'm just curious what your best memory of Jim Brown was as we kind of as we've had the running backs on, we've asked them kind of what was their right. moment with Jim Brown? You know, the moment I had with Jim Brown was, you know, he was retired and everything else. I think I might have been the second, third year. And they had Jim back to, you know, for the game and everything else. And so he was, you know, in the locker room. So I had a chance to go over. Everybody wanted to talk to Jim Brown, of course. So uh, and he actually knew who I was. First of all, I had to, I was introduce myself. He said, Mike, I know who you are. You know what I mean? <laughs> That shocked me for, for right there. He, he knew who I was. He says, uh, he says, Mike, you're doing you're doing a good job. He says, the only thing that I think you should do is lower that shoulder more. You're running too high. He says, guys that, that run high like that, you know, they they get hit, you know, mm. and sometimes they get hit under, under the chin. Where oh, your yeah. Adam's apple, where your Adam's apple is, you know what I mean? And I never to this day ever thought about that. He said, you know, you, you got to dip your head. You can't run high, Mike. He said, you you have to run low. He said, that's what he did. He said, when he with new guys that were coming, he would lower. And especially, you know, he said linebackers or a defensive back, he looked for them. He wanted to lower his lower his shoulder on them. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh he said, you're just running, you know, you're running a little bit too high. And I did. I used to run straight up. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, you know, just bend a little bit. You know, especially when you're coming around other players, you have to bend because you don't know. And sometimes, like what happened with Chubbs, is they come real low mm -hmm. and uh, they hit that knee. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that's why he said you run low. So, you know, even with that offhand that you don't have, you know, the football on, you may be able to, you know, drop that hand down, and, you know, maybe push the guy, push the guy away. He said, you're running high, man. Those guys, they come low, man. You, you know, they'll, yeah. take, they'll take, they'll take your knee out. And yeah. I, I, I thought about that when Chuck got hurt. I'm thinking, wow, man, that guy did come in, zooming in real low and took it and took his knee out. Yeah, uh, it was just too bad. And like I said, you can't replace Nick Chubb. So it's all a no, matter of how oh, this this offense is Very going true. to kind of just recover. And it's hard to do because I think Nick Chubb, Mike, he covered up so much. Um, you know, last year we were talking about this offensive line being one of the best in the league. Uh, yep. And now this year, while they're still very good, you know, you can see some of the flaws. And I think that Nick Chubb kind of covered a lot of that up. He was your safety net. He was really the heart and soul of what they did offensively. Now you don't have that. And, you know, I think I, I hate to say this, but we are lucky to be four and two right now, given the yeah. offensive output. You know, we are yeah. lucky given what the Browns have gone through so far this season. Very true. I mean, with especially the number of things that are going on, you know, with uh, the Browns and, uh, you know, uh, 
the ups and downs that, you know, that, that they've had. But you know what? They've been managing to win. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, with them, you know, beating the team that they beat it, whew, I was really – I think a lot of people were surprised, <laughs> you know, but them yeah. coming back, you know, and winning, that's pretty good. And yeah. if we can ever get Deshaun back in there, you know, uh, you know, like I said, you have those seasons. It's unfortunate. And hopefully that's, this is not a season where you have those nagging injuries. Right. You know what I mean? You get, a, you get an injury here, you come back. You go in the game, you get another injury here, you come out, you, go, you think, wow, man, I can't, you know, play consecutive games, you know. And if he can play, you know, consecutive games without getting hurt, you know, we, we know his shoulders hurt now. But, right. you know, if he, he can he can play consistently, man, you need that powerful arm that he has. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It, it'll I be say, huge to have him go back. Go ahead, Dustin. I was saying, Mike, we'll get you out of here on this one. But uh, obviously you played with some great defenders, uh, you know, Hanford Dixon, Felix, Right. Um, got guys like that. Tell us what you see in this defense, and because you obviously played and saw a great defense and played with a lot of great defensive players yourself uh, back mm -hmm. in the day. What what impresses you about this unit, um, and how far do you think this defense can take this team? Well, you know what they play to me consistently. You know, Miles is a big help to them. <laughs> Miles Garrett is is a huge, huge, huge help to them. But you know, to me, I think they're playing pretty consistently right now. And if they can keep the guys healthy, and you know, you know, doesn't if you can keep the guys healthy, you got a chance because, you know, you always have somebody a little banged up, a little bruised up, yeah. you know. And uh most of us, we play hurt. Don't matter what right. it is, <laughs> we play hurt. You know yeah. what I mean? We, we we're hurting somewhere, but we continue to play. If a lot of these guys could play with, you know, doing the little banged up that they're getting, as long as they don't have like the serious injuries, you know, right? Uh, where you where you just can't play. I think this team is not a bad team. It, I think it's pretty good, especially being where they are right now. Yeah, they can keep that going. I think they got a good chance. Yeah, I agree. Making the playoffs. Yeah, it's all right in front of them. It's just a matter of getting it done. But, Mike, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it so much. Well, thank you for having me. We really appreciate appreciate you, both of you. All right. Anytime. Well, Anytime. Nice job. We'll have you Go back, Browns. Mike. Thank sure. you. Go Browns. Okay. All right. Take care okay. now. Bye-bye. Uh, that is Mike Pruitt-Brown's legend, and that interview was brought to you by our friends over at Circle K. Now we're going to turn it over and get straight to Cameron Justice. Before we do that, a quick word from our friends over at Cleveland Furniture Company. From the Couch is brought to you by the Cleveland Furniture Company. Feel like saving money? Head on over to Cleveland Furniture Company. They buy in bulk, they can save you money. I know we all need a new recliner. We need a new bed. I don't know, kitchen table. Head on over to Cleveland <laughs> Furniture Company. They will get you right. And this interview is brought to you from the couch. Cameron, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. This is fun. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited and yeah. nice, nice to see you. I, I, Dustin, I saw you. Allie, I haven't seen you. Like, it's not in person because it's video. Right. But it's yeah. More like in person. <laughs> yeah. It's finally well, yeah, happening. Yeah, as I say, we just had uh, just had Greg on and talked about the taste of the Browns. I was like, I think that's the last time I saw both of you guys was at the taste of the Browns. Um, and we were talking about uh, injuries, right? And uh, consistency in play like that. Um, so, um, 
I'll, I'll just start off, Cameron. We, uh, were you out there? Did you get any interviews from the guys today? Um, anything stand out uh, from uh, camp today when you're out there at the facility? Yeah, I mean, we knew that it was going to be a lot of question marks, right? Like the, the thing going into today's practice was to see if Deshaun was going to be able to practice. Uh, we quickly learned that he wouldn't be practicing when he would – he normally speaks to media uh, on right. Wednesdays. Uh, we found out he wasn't scheduled. So that was a kind of an indicator like, okay, mm -hmm. he's – He's going to be dealing with the shoulder. Uh, and then he was listed on the pre-practice injury report uh, with the shoulder injury. So we knew he wasn't going to practice. And then we quickly learned, uh, which was the surprise of the day, uh, that he had been ruled out for Sunday against. Right. So that was uh, that was the standout thing, because this is the first time through this injury that they have ruled him out this early into the right. week. They've let oh. him go on throughout. Even when he wasn't practicing, when he was indoors, he was still not ruled out. They didn't want to rule him out. Now they're taking uh, – a more preventative preventative approach, um, just giving him the rest, making sure that PJ Walker knows he is the starting quarterback against the Seahawks. And I think that was the the big thing. But as, as far as the guys in the locker room and, and the conversations, I think there's a lot of support for Deshaun Watson. A lot of them are kind of just along there with him for the ride of just wait and see. And they're all pulling for him to get back there. But there's a lot of confidence that PJ Walker can get it. And I think there's a lot of motivation for a lot of those guys right like like a kareem hunt who talked today about it. they know that deshaun's fighting through it and now it's up to them even if it's not pretty to just grit these wins out like they did against right the, they got to do it again against the seahawks now yeah but i think they're prepared to do that to just fight it tooth fight tooth and nail to get those wins you know what do you make of that I, I you're right this is the first that we've known about the starting quarterback situation throughout this entire debacle, if you will, you know, there's just been a, a sense of lack of communication or transparency as it pertains to Deshaun Watson's injury. And I think that there's, while we have more information now, I think that there is some, there's some question marks regarding his availability for the coming weeks, but we know we've got PJ Walker. We've got to grit it out. We've got to go to Seattle, somehow make this happen. Um, but what do you make of that? You know, they have to elevate PJ now to the active roster um, they're going to have to kind of create a roster spot for him. But, you know, do you think that there's anything, any like truth behind, you know, announcing PJ as the starter now rather than waiting to this weekend? I think that this is uh, it's a it's a hard situation they've been in because it is so strange. Right. That shoulder injury is one where there is no structural damage to his rotator cuff. So realistically, in any given day, Deshaun Watson could bounce back and be normal because it's not. It's not a structural thing that he's dealing with. It's swelling that is not going down. That's impacting his range of motion. Uh, they, he, he said that Deshaun Watson himself said that there was some micro tearing still not structurally damaged, right? It's, right. It, it's reminiscent of a strain, um, but it's not to the point where it requires, you know, it, it wouldn't require him initially to go on IR to miss four or five, six weeks because it could have been at any given moment. Now, the typical response to that injury and the recovery time is that four to six week for a rotator cuff, depending on how bad it is. Now, it's a contusion. So that is one of those things that you you, you look at it and you think, okay, this is, it's a contusion. It's not a, it's not a tear. It's not anything that will require surgery right now. So maybe he plays this week. And when you have Deshaun Watson as your starting quarterback, he's the franchise quarterback, you're not, you don't want to rule him out if you don't have to. 
And I think that's where the confusion came is it wasn't a clear cut injury where it was a tear where something he needed to be in a brace for some amount of time. It's it's a wait and see game. And it's been one of those injuries. So the communication around it has been a little I will say awkward uh, and no, not doesn't feel like it's on the same page because it is such a fluid situation. Right. And, and I think that could have been maybe addressed a little differently just to get on the same page, but because it's not a typical injury, it's not a tear, it's not something structural and it could be any given moment that Deshaun plays. I think that's what changed the conversation around it. Now, now I think this week after experiencing every scenario that they possibly could have with Deshaun and his shoulder, giving him until, you know, 1030 in the morning of the Ravens game and telling him no. he's playing. They learned their lesson from that the week after <laughs> they had the bye week. And then the 49ers week, PJ Walker kind of, they were hopeful that maybe Deshaun would be, but every day that went by, it seemed less and less likely as he was working inside through that shoulder injury right. and not outside. So PJ Walker getting the majority, they named him the backup and then he started getting the majority of the reps. Even this week, right? Wednesday, PJ Walker was getting the the majority of the reps. Deshaun Watson still wasn't practicing with the team. He comes back on Thursday. He starts taking over. He was limited on Thursday. On Friday, he's a full participant. So PJ Walker at least had that prep. I think they're learning their lesson, but it's still one of those things where you you would like in the, you would like it to be more defined, right? Because it just it's it's easier when it's defined, but it's that kind of injury that this is going to be chaotic like this, and it's just like they're rolling with the punches, and people like us, like me, sitting here waiting for this news, waiting for them to tell us anything, right? kind of have to wait because it's it is one of those things where there's a lot of uncertainty around when he's going to be able to come back and we would like some clarity and a, an easy answer but they're dealing with it even worse than we are because I don't think they have the easy answers and they're in the in the mix with it so one of those weird weird things that is just the chaos that has surrounded it has stirred up more chaos from the outside which has not made any of this <laughs> any more fun than in a, yeah. No, and uh, it's truly without precedent. I mean, I, I know that we've done this like two years ago with Baker Mayfield, but I think this is really a, a different situation, but similar to talk about it. And uh, we, we joked last week, Cameron, on this show, like, oh, here we are, the Here We Go Brownies podcast, and we're non-doctors talking about a, a shoulder situation <laughs> at nauseum. Um, I do want to talk about, kind of switch the focus to the running back room. Um, we are thin in running back depth. Um, have you, what do you think about Pierre Strong stepping up into a big role? We know that, um, Jerome Ford, he's out the type of runner that he is, uh, Pierre's a little bit more elusive. Do you anticipate seeing him, you know, first and second down and then cream in on path, obvious passing situations, goal line situations. What do you think his role is going to be in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think Pierre Strong did a really good job in his, in his snaps that he took after uh, Jerome Ford went out, I think that he has, he's shown that he can be a really strong back for them. I do think Kareem Hunt gets more opportunities. I think that he becomes, you know, right. RB one anytime Jerome Ford is out. Um, but the, the style that Kareem Hunt runs in is it's great for third downs. It's great for goal line situations. It's great for those ex explosive plays, but he's also preparing to step up in, in whatever role I do. I think Pierre strong showed, he showed against the Colts a couple moments where he was making some cuts of uh, of some of the gaps that he was able to find that were not the same, but more reminiscent of how Nick Chubb runs, I think, mm -hmm. than we've seen in the run game. So that was really, I think, promising to see is 
him kind of mimicking that style and having success in it. Now, Jerome Ford is uh, one, it's, it's a short term thing. It's not expected to be a long term thing. So, you know, if Pierre Strong can step up to the plate and, and just kind of hold the fork down and the way they mix in his reps that he is going to split with, uh, with Kareem Hunt, I think they've got a really good shot at yeah. maintaining. Uh, I mean, because the Browns overall have, have done a really good job at answering in terms of production from the run game in the absence of Nick Chubb. It was one of those things when Nick Chubb went down, you looked at it and you were like, well, there goes everything. Right. And they go out, they bring Kareem Hunt back. Jerome Ford really steps up. And now Pierre Strong's doing that same thing. I think the next man up mentality that they always preach, I think that running back room in particular really embodies that. And it's, it's, I asked uh, Kareem Hunt today, like why he's so confident. Uh, that the running back room can continue to step up no matter how many of them go down, no matter how thin it gets. And he said, I mean, we have that next man up mentality. We have a really good scheme. we got a good game plan. we got good guys in the room. And he said, particularly, which is the reason that I think all of this has worked for years is Stump Mitchell running backs coach. He is such a good coach and they have all been so bought in. They respect him so much that they really understand what he's trying to give them. Uh, and I think that the game plan is really well suited because of what he is able to implement within his running backs room. So with Sump Mitchell running the show in that room, I think anybody that comes in has a better shot at, at getting really good product production on the field on game day than you would see maybe in other teams and other situations that they get thin Stump Mitchell and all the way up the coaching ladder, you know, to Kevin Stefanski does a really good job and he, credited you know the offensive line the the blocking look at these games some of these the wide open even the ones that aren't executed well right that that shovel pass out and it was it was it was blocked Oof. so well it was wide open it was wide open yeah just just muff that pitch and it's just if you if you get that was that, wide open wide yeah. open and that's what the offensive line the tight ends really the the scheme the blocking scheme that's going into these plays has has opened up so i do think the browns I'm not. I'm not concerned in the way that I might have been had they not shown how they res have responded without Nick Chubb to this running back situation. Now, even as they get down the line, I think they're they're in a good position to at least be able to kind of hold the fort down as they try to address this until Jerome Ford comes back. Yeah, and I was going to say, Cameron, what's interesting that you're referring to um, Kareem's uh, press availability today. He brought up the point that we're kind of playing for each other, and this team seems to have kind of galvanized around each other and for better or worse with the injuries this team is I think came together stronger and closer as a team unit than they ever have and bringing someone like Schwartz in who everybody is um bought into him and what he's doing uh someone asked him I think it was McLeod someone's like he's real he's just real you know he's like he just calls it straight um but you bring up a really good point uh, like Dearness Johnson, some of these guys that have been thrown into these roles in the past and played so well because Stump had them ready to go and play in a game. Uh, just want to shift something here a little quick. I really enjoyed your interview this week with, uh, you know, of course, with a, a name like Dustin. I love a guy like Dustin Hopkins. So <laughs> I, I love, but I think if we were sitting here at the beginning of the season, knowing that we would have a kicker that would win AFC special teams player of the week, basically two weeks in a row. I think we'd be like, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. How was that interview? Um, what do you see different, you know, uh, in the special teams unit uh, and especially having that conversation with Dustin yesterday? 
Yeah. So if, I mean, if you haven't seen it, that's uh that was a very fun one uh, as part of my next man up series. So just mm -hmm. getting to know him on and off the field, off the field. Uh, if you don't know, he uh, practices rodeo when he's not uh, practicing <laughs> his kicks. So yeah, he, uh, he does some roping in his spare time. He's got a family of rodeoers. So that was um, one of the best <laughs> interviews I've ever done. He is such an interesting guy and, and a really, really nice guy, family man who just, he just, he loves, he loves life and he loves kicking and he loves this opportunity. Um, and I do think that this is such a big part of the Browns success this season, the, the fight that the, the tooth and nail wins, right? Come down to a kicker. These games are coming down to make made and missed field goals on both sides. Uh, that 49ers game in particular, right? They, he makes the go ahead. And then the 49ers, you're just on a wing and a prayer. You're hoping that he doesn't get that field goal and he doesn't. Uh, and, and that's what some of these games are going to come down to. Mm -hmm. And so to have a guy like Dustin Hopkins, who is not just reliable in the short game, but the one question mark that people had when they traded for him was, all right, well, is he going to be able to hit anything over 50? Because that's not what he was doing in his career. That's just it. It wasn't trending that way. And it looked like a limitation for him. He told me that he's always known that he could do it. It's just if he would miss a long one early on, um, they would kind of the opportunities wouldn't be there for him. They would teams would kind of. All right. Limit him. He's not he didn't make that one. Whereas the Browns, they, they put their trust in him. He's been nailing them, uh, making NFL history with these 50-yarders. <laughs> uh, and, and to be honest, this is a big part of how the Browns need to continue to succeed. So I talked before the season started, I was talking to Shelby Harris as he got into the team, right? And I was like, you're a veteran. You've been in this league for a long time. And you've seen the Browns from the outside. What is this team going to need to be successful? And, and, and when will we know it? Because it looked like the defense had been legit throughout camp and it looked like the offense might have some struggles and there was no real answer at special teams. Like we didn't know what that was going to look like. And, so, and Shelby Harris told me the offense and the defense, what like they'll get on their role, they'll figure it out. But it's when the special teams clicks is when this team will be successful. And we are still waiting for the offense to get their stuff together. So imagine what it might look like if the offense can really get it together. But I think that is a big part of the success. And these these guys understand how important special teams are to a to an organization and to the product on the field. And and for it to have not only clicked early, but to continue clicking, I think that is huge. Right. And that's why they're able to win games. That's why they're able to put themselves in position. We talk about Dustin Hopkins and those field goals, but we – all, we don't often talk about the other benefit in the, in the punt game and Corey yeah. Bajorquez and the way that he's able to give them that field position. Yeah. He's got a leg. He's booting these <laughs> things. Perfect punts. Like, I mean, he, he's been phenomenal in the punt game and that has been huge. And, and, and add to that, the, the punt and kick coverage would have it. That has been a weakness for the Browns. Yeah. Their, their punt coverage, their kick coverage. They were just, they weren't getting it back. Bad. It was, it was bad. And now here they are and they're not letting up explosive plays very often. Now there obviously is some room to grow in the return game. That's something for years we've been looking for um, out of them, but 
it doesn't help when you go out and you get a guy like Jakeem Grant and you get two seasons in a row where he's not able to in just heartbreaking yeah. fashion. So if you get the pun game, if you get the return game to a point where it's consistent and reliable, even if you're not just make smart plays, don't give up yards, don't make bad choices when you're fielding something. Uh, if they're just, if they just are steady with it, I think this, special teams has been in a it's, it's in a place where the Browns can really thrive and and it can that mixed with the defense operating on all cylinders they have the luxury of those two phases playing well that they can figure out this offense and they can it can it can take this long in the season right and they still are four and two has it been able to take this long and and then still find success now that offense is going to need to click and probably pretty yes. soon. But, yeah. but right now it's, it's been real quick. <laughs> so yeah. I want to talk about that real quick. Oh, sorry, Dustin, don't mean to cut you off here, but I want to talk, I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball. We, we know that a lack of quarterback consistency is probably the root of some of the struggles, obviously. And same with losing Nick Chubb. You can't replace him. How do you do without him? You have some struggles on the offensive line, just overall uh, an inconsistency on offense, but, I really want to talk about the use of usage, excuse me, of Elijah Moore. I've been pounding the table, Cameron, about why on God's green earth are they using him the way that they are? This is a, a high caliber receiver that they went and traded for, gave up some valuable draft capital to go get him. Um, they bring him in and the way that they're using him is unique to say the least. Um, the orbit motions, the, I, I don't mind him on jet speed, but like just the, not letting him be a receiver, not letting him be a true pass catcher. Do you think that, because we know Kevin Stefanski likes to, to implement those wrinkles. We know he likes to get creative. Um, but do you think that there's a, another player that can step into that role and allow Elijah to be a receiver? Um, or do you think that we're going to continue to see this week after week? What is your scope of this offense? Yeah, I think that they, I mean, I think they are just toying around this early part of the season is seeing what he's able to do because he is such a versatile weapon that when it works, he is the kind of receiver that you can plug into those positions. You can have him lined up in the backfield. You can have him in the slot. You can have him wide out and, and going on the out route. So he's he's got the, the abilities to do all of the things on the field. And they were practicing that throughout training camp. And now you're in the season and you're seeing some of that. They're still trying to work out like what will work and what won't. So it wouldn't surprise me if there is still some experimentation with him and you see him move. I know it's frustrating because you're like, but he does so well when you just have him <laughs> as a true receiver. And that's awesome. But also imagine if you can figure out a way to consistently integrate him in a way that is successful more often than it's not in all of those different facets. It opens up your offense beyond. And, and I mean, there's guys who can – get plugged in in different scenarios. Um, I think that they they have weapons like that. But Elijah Moore right now, I think, is the truest threat uh, to be a move-all-over-the-field kind of guy. And if it doesn't work, then you're like, ah, why won't you use him? But when you see it click, it's the same as it's the same as play calling, right? Like when you, when, when you give a crazy play, you, you look great if it works. You look like a genius if it works. And you look like an idiot if it fails. <laughs> That's just the reality. Yeah. And I think it's the same with Elijah Moore. It's trying to work yeah. that out. And it, when it doesn't work and you see it work somewhere else and you're like, why don't you just stick with that? I don't, I personally don't like, I don't want them to stick with it because I, I think that if he finds a groove that, that just adds such a 
difference maker to the yeah. offense, especially when you get the quarterback situation figured out and there's more reliability there to have him be able to be plugged in because like, okay, like Kareem Hunt, we know he can be played in the slot. He's, he's a really good offensive weapon in the receiving game too. You add him and you add Elijah Moore, which one's going to do what? Who's going to be right. where, you know, like yeah. I, I like that you have that added threat. Um, and so Maybe in order to get some of that anticipation, the chemistry, the reps, especially with these new quarterbacks like P.J. Walker starting. Elijah Moore had really good chemistry with Deshaun Watson all throughout training camp. They worked very hard on it. And it just it, that even took a, a little bit of time this season uh, to get going. So I think that maybe now would be the time to use him as a more traditional receiver just just for P.J. Walker to get comfortable, get acclimated with him not get too crazy because you don't want the offense, but you don't want it to be too vanilla either. There's like that right. balance. Fine like, balance. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very difficult. And, and that's why Kevin Stefanski is a head coach and gets paid the big bucks. And we <laughs> just sit back and watch and you're like, all right, that's what works. but I really do think that if he, if they could use Elijah Moore in a more a traditional receiver role, I think Ali, I think you're right. Like that, that would help this offense just kind of build a foundation and then you can go back to mixing him in and figuring it out. I, I think and, and I guess, so. yeah. And I guess the reason my, my point behind that is one, you lose Nick Chubb, you have to shift the identity of this offense. It's going to have to be, whether you're comfortable with it or not, it's going to have to be a passing first offense. And maybe that is something that Kevin Stefanski didn't want to have to do at this point in the season. Um, but it's, it's the truth of the matter. And I understand the wrinkles of throwing in Elijah Moore or maybe Marquise Goodwin and, and different packages and seeing what it looks like and allowing guys like maybe a Pierre Strong or, um, you know, or some creativity in the running back uh, room in the backfield. But, you know, at this point in the season, I think that you've got some you just got to play to the strengths. And I think allowing Elijah to do what he can do best is probably beneficial one for his own confidence um, within this offensive scheme. But uh, I want to ask you a question rather than just about Brown's football. I want to ask Cameron justice a question oh. outside of Dustin Hopkins, that fun, that fun interview, who is one of your all time favorite Brown's interviews? Ooh, that's a good one. There's been a few. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know what? I'm going to give him this one. It is Obo Okoronkwo post game locker room. Every time he is so fun, especially after a win, obviously, especially after a win. Uh, but you get him in the locker room post game and he is just, he is just the, the energy he brings. Like that is the epitome of the Browns and what they're trying to do is, you know, the, the passion, the swag, the badassery that Jim Schwartz, <laughs> that is Oboe. In the game, it is Oboe as soon as he comes off the field. Uh, so he's, he's always super fun to talk to. I did another next man up, though, too. A close second will be Juan Thornhill. He has been oh. so fun. What a fun addition he has been to this team. He is uh, he's just, again, that good energy. He, he loves this fan base. He like he just really wants to produce for, for the city. And he's embraced being here so much. Um, and he's, he's like just a fun guy. Just loves football. Got the elf brownie elf tattooed on his arm before he even took a snap for the Browns. Like so cool. he's like, I want to be a fan favorite. I'm like that's a really that, good choice okay. to do. That, <laughs> for a guy, it. for a guy that's played in three Super Bowls, that is dedication. I'm just putting that out there. That is and that's dedication. What, that's what he said. He like I, I said, what can the fans expect from you this year? And this was again, this interview was before the season had started. It was the very first one of the season, and he said so they brought me in to win a Super Bowl, so I, I guess I got to help him win a Super Bowl. 
like, oh, okay. Like that's just <laughs> like that's just, easy yeah, to like do. That, yeah, like that's just something that happens here every year, right? <laughs> um, so, Cameron, we were talking about the wide receivers, and just get to get back to that a little bit. And I've talked about this on previous shows. Do you think we're going to see, speaking as the season goes on and we're trying some of the things, are we going to see more of Cedric Tillman? I just think he is such a weapon, and he can definitely bring a, an added element to this uh, team. I've just obviously you've talked with him. Do you or and the coaching staff? Do you see Cedric Tillman getting a bigger role as the season goes on and we get the quarterback situation settled down a little bit? I think he's poised to absolutely. Um, it's it just depends on you know how this offense shakes out and how he's able to respond in practice and things like that. They got him because of the threat that he is as a big body receiver. He has very similar attributes to Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, and then with the ability to develop in a maybe a quicker quicker play style on the field at at his ceiling than right. Donovan Peoples Jones, and I think that is his upside. Now there's developing him. He's getting, he's got a lot of work in the, the preseason and he looked good because he was paired right. with Thompson Robinson and they already have the connection. You know, sure. they go way back. So sure. that definitely helped. Um, he does in practice, he looks good. He's got sure hands. I think it's a lot of just getting a real true understanding for the playbook. He's a rookie and he is, yeah. he's a rookie in a position that he's not necessarily the main focus, right? There's sure. some of these guys that, like, you develop them and you have to develop. Like, Dewan Jones got thrown into it. Surprise, rookie. Right. Like, you're, you're a starter <laughs> now. Cedric Tillman is in a room where, you know, there's there's a lot of depth above right. him um, that they can call on for certainty. And especially when you're dealing with an uncertain situation. So I think there's a stability factor that uh, is included here trying to figure out get this offense stabilized first but if he can continue to develop the way they anticipate him and for the purposes in which they drafted him he absolutely could have a massive role on this offense and i think right. once once he starts to get the reps and and starts to put put like put it together more than just a couple snaps in a game doing special team stuff like a true role I think, and he, I think he's got the ability to stack it and really start to grow from there. And he's, he's about it. Like he's definitely is dedicated to just wanting to produce for the team, but he, he has the skill set to kind of take over in that area, especially in that, in that kind of game, those sideline catches that DP makes. And, you know, we're still waiting to see the future of Donovan Peoples Jones. He's, entering the end of his time in Cleveland and you don't know what's going to happen there. Um, and so when he, when, whenever it is, what, like if, if he goes, if it's, if his time in Cleveland does come to an end, then I think that's when Cedric Tillman might find himself in a more prominent role uh, until then. I think they've got enough, enough depth that they don't have to go to a rookie uh, right, right away. Um, so that I think that's kind of why you're not seeing him as much. But they do like him. There's a reason they got him, and they really like what his upside could be. And now we just wait to see how he develops, what that future looks like for him. And maybe we start to see him more. Keep our fingers crossed. I think he does have a lot of talent, and I think it would be fun to see him out there and just the way that he goes after the ball. Some of those catches he makes in practice, you're like, oh, oh my God, if you could make that in the game. Well, <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is, like you said, he's, he looks so great in the preseason. You had people like Randy Moss. And people on Twitter raving about him like this kid is the real deal. And when you see people like that, you know he's passing the eyeball test, as I was like, as I like to say, you know, does he does he look good on film? But what does he look like in person? Right? He passes that eyeball test, like you're saying. So you're right. Once he does get those opportunities, I think he'll make the most of it. 
And that's kind of the the beauty of having depth on your roster, right? I mean, if we go back a couple of years ago, even, I mean, it didn't matter who the rookie was, you are starting and you don't have a choice. You're going to be (laughs) thrust into a role, whether you are ready or not. And now we're like, oh, our third round rookie, we can sit him for a year or have limited, limited reps. It's kind of a a beautiful thing. There's so much talent on this roster. Listen, that's fun. That's a solid front office. That's how you build a franchise. Not just a team. That's how you build a franchise. That's how you build I agree. a, a yeah, love it. organization. So I think they're, that's one of the biggest things about this team that has really stood out to me. And I, people give people, like they give, there's always something to pick apart, right? And there's, it's easy to say, oh, I don't like that they did this. This hasn't been successful for them. But I, I don't think it's deniable the change that has been surrounded this organization since the, acquisition, the signings, the addition, the hirings of Andrew Barry, his front office staff, and Kevin Sapansky as the head coach. And you just look back, it's a different team. It's a different organization. The way they operate is just so much different than years past. There's a plan. Uh, I think there's obviously some ways that they could improve, and I think they're working to address that. But you can't deny Andrew Barry has been great at bringing in these additions, you know, in, in the off season, free agent signings, his late round draft picks. There's yeah. been obviously some questionable picks that didn't pan out and you're like, Oh, sure. God, wish you could have had that one back, but that's kind of how the draft process works. It's a gamble either way. Yeah. It's been phenomenal, especially this past draft. I think it's, that was a phenomenal draft for him. Um, oh, yeah. The free agent signings, the way that he's getting guys just like Zedaria Smith and Oboe Okoronko, like these, these guys that he's like, working through the trades, the signings. Like I think he's done a really good job at valuing these things and getting high value additions and signings uh, that people maybe didn't see coming. And and like I, I go back to Oboe because he's one of those quiet ones, right? Like everyone was like freaking out about Zadarius Smith. They're like, what a trade. Oh my gosh. Right. Like they gave up nothing and they got this crazy star pass rusher. And Oboe was like, okay, he's good. Let's hope he can play at the level that he was the one year that's maybe and then here he is, and Oboe is playing at such high speed and high disruption. And the yeah. way that he comes off that edge, opposite of Miles Garrett, has allowed Miles to, to thrive. His play style complements what this defense needs to do. And I think that was such a big signing. And Andrew Barry has done a ton of that. And so I, I do think that they've done an incredible job at building this up, uh, giving this organization some legs and a, a really solid foundation to make something special. And I think we're starting to see it right now. They obviously have to keep it up, but the fact that they've gone through this much inconsistency in the offense yeah. and their offense has struggled so much and they're four and two, this right. is a team that is starting to find ways to win. We've talked about like the Steelers have been that team for so long. Mike Ravens. Thomas, the head coach, Ravens. you know, oh, they've yeah. got a great coaching. That's again, another thing. Like, a lot of people give, Kevin Stefanski slack for his play calling and they don't like the things, some of the things he's doing. Kevin Stefanski is finding ways to win that fourth, that fourth quarter final series, that final, it was, that was perfect coaching. That was perfect play calling. I agree. Even if you thought that you wanted to run the ball. Like, oh, why doesn't he just run the ball? He managed that clock so perfectly. Oh, yep. All the plays, he's had them schemed open. That that was a masterclass of that final series of a game-winning drive that you need to score on. It was a masterclass. And that, yes, that's, it's great that Kareem Hunt got in, but that's how you do it. And this is that's how you do it. 
I saw so many things and it was so frustrating. I, I mean, it was so frustrating on Twitter. Well, first off, Twitter's frustrating just in general, <laughs> but um, just about that last series, you know, the goal line series, why aren't they running the ball? I'm like, why would they? They don't have any timeouts. My God, do you want to lose this game? And I, just to see it all come to fruition um, and, and just actually happen, because I've talked about it, you know, at length on this podcast, you know, the scheme, Kevin Stefanski, he schemes guys open. It's a matter of execution. Um, we've talked about it, and I agree entirely. I think that this organization is finally in a position to be successful and start stacking wins. This has been a young team in the National Football League, and we're finally there to where we can have these conversations. But as you can see, everybody, she is on it. She is plugged in. She knows what she's talking about. This is Cameron Justice. Thanks for taking the time. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, uh, at Cami Justice on all the social and uh, news5cleveland.com is where I write and my videos mm -hmm. are there. And yeah, News 5 Cleveland YouTube and watch just News 5 Cleveland in general. <laughs> <laughs> Six o'clock, 11 o'clock, sometimes in the morning, who's to say? Yeah, well, I was just <laughs> say, Cameron, I'm making the trip out to Seattle uh, in, in a couple of days and I know there's going to be a lot of Browns fans out there. So um, like you said, if they can get past this one and get back and have Arizona at home, that's a big deal, um, you know, to get this and try to win this. But uh, like you said, the, we're, we're finding ways to win where in the past we would find ways to lose a game. And this is a much different, much yeah. different kind of way the Browns are winning and losing games. They're actually using their talent and their strengths to their advantage. A lot of promise, a lot of promise. And you love to see it because it hasn't always been this way. It's You kind of felt lucky to come into a situation where they were succeeding. And now, now you expect that success. You expect them to find the ways. And so when, if they don't, then you're like, you're disappointed, but it's, it's usually the opposite. You're pleasantly surprised. Now you're the, the bar has been set. They've set it for themselves. And that's a good thing because that yeah. means that the standard has changed in Cleveland for them. Uh, culture, culture, culture yeah. change 100%. Now you just got to yeah. push it through the rest of the season. It's going to get tough here. A lot of road games. They didn't have like this, the season, the start of the season was difficult, right? Because you know, they played divisional rivals all over the place first few games. And and now it gets difficult again because they're playing on the road. The opponents might not be as tough on paper in some of these situations, but the challenge of going to the West Coast and then coming home and then going on the road again and staying on the road, that's where it gets challenging. And this is a yeah. big test for them. Hopefully they can find some consistency at quarterback before they get too far in the weeds here uh, because it's going to be a challenge. And we're uh, I think I think we're all pretty excited to see how they respond to it, though. Yeah, I agree. It's a, fun time. it's a fun time to be a Browns fan. Hey, Cameron, thanks for taking the time for us. We appreciate it. This is great. Thanks, Thank guys. you, Cameron. Appreciate you. Take go care. That was, that was great. She is plugged in. She knows it. Um, go check her out on the socials. She's one of the best Twitter followers. Uh, Twitter follows if you want some Browns news and information. Just a reminder that that conversation was brought to you from the couch over at Cleveland Furniture Company. But guys, whether it is sophisticated suburban living, luxury downtown digs, or senior housing, KD, the largest property management company in Northeast Ohio, they have the perfect home for everyone. KD is your one-stop shop for housing in the region with apartments and amenities, including residential, commercial, retail, and also corporate housing. Find your dream home at KD. Visit KD.com to get started. That is the letter K, the word and the letter D. Com. While you're at it, you're in the area, pop on over to Lakewood and get your hands on some of the best pizza in all of Northeast Ohio. They do it right. They start out with a buttery crust and they do double layer toppings. It's great in the restaurant at home, even just as great the following day. So be sure to head on over to Angelo's today. Um, Dustin, that was jam-packed. That was a, a lot of conversation, a lot of knowledge. You go from hey. Mike Pruitt, Cameron Justice, and I love it. Allie, 
just so all of our listeners know, our shows are going to become more jam-packed. And we thought, you know, our listeners demand it. They want more content. They want more interviews. So we're here for it. Uh, we want to be that uh, choice for Cleveland Browns fans that they can come to and get it from all different angles. If it's from a former player, if it's somebody that's on the field getting the interview that day, um, it just gets me excited. It gets me excited to go to Seattle. It gets me excited to watch this football game on Sunday. Um, but Al, you know, you're right. We, we like to be Monday morning coach, right? You know, yeah. and we're like, oh, they did that wrong. Here's one thing just to, uh, just to extend that conversation with Cameron a little bit. I was sitting at that game, you know, the end there where we had it first and goal or whatever. And I literally turned to everybody and I'm like, there's 35 seconds on the clock. We can't score right now. And I literally was like, we can't do this. And they're like, why? I'm like, because we're going to leave 35 seconds on the clock. They're going to go down and kick a field goal and they're going to win the game. This is a dome. They'll kick it for 58 or whatever, right? They're going to, they're going to try and we'll play prevent defense. So to her point, I do agree. We had to take some time off the clock because if you notice, they still got the ball back and got a couple shots at trying to get the ball down the field. So at the end of the day, yes, for once we were on the receiving end of having the ball last and going down the field and executing and winning a football game because typically we're not in that position, right? We have right. the lead and we're trying to defend it. Uh, but for us to be down and knowing we have to score, and I remember when they went ahead, I'm like, hey, all we need is a touchdown. We don't need the extra point. <laughs> like, we'll win by one point. And it's funny that that ended win up being win. a situation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, in the National Football League, it ain't style. It's just wins, right? So it was like uh, – so that was very interesting. Um, and what a great interview with Mike uh, yeah. to come on and give his perspective. And the fact that he told the exact same story that Greg Pruitt told <laughs> oh, That's us, classic. That was funny that he was like, yeah, that's – yeah, yeah. Just remember, you were number two. Um, oh, classic. But yeah. But, uh, yeah, Ali, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, going out to Seattle this weekend. Uh, got a lot of people uh, going to be going out to that game. Uh, we'll be bringing some coverage to you guys Saturday as well as Sunday. Uh, so look for that content on the socials uh, with Here We Go Brownies. We'll be doing some live coverage out there uh, both days and post game from the game. So th there will be a lot of coverage uh, for anybody that wants to tune in out there uh, from Seattle. And I think we'll have a great showing of fans uh, just like Indianapolis, because I think uh, kind of like some road warriors, the fans are really, you know, wherever the Browns are, they're going to be at, it seems like, and they're kind of traveling. And I like to see that. Uh, here's a question, Allie, and I, we, we got into this. She said the Browns are going to be tested with these games out West. Correct me if I'm wrong. I do think the Browns go to Denver and they play the following week, the Los Angeles Rams. Do you see a scenario where, the Browns just head to LA and stay on the West coast. Do you see a scenario like that? I'm just curious. You know, I don't know. And I don't want to misspeak on this podcast. I don't know what their logistics look like and what they typically do. Um, but in that situation, and I, I would assume that it's similar to, you know, when you're playing back to back over in London, right. You're probably just going to stay put. Um, I, I don't know now that that time of year. Um, so you've got the Browns at Broncos. That's November 26th. And then um, Browns at Rams December 3rd. So you are kind of buttoned up against the holiday schedule. Right. So, but I don't know. I don't know. I think from a fan's perspective, we can say, hey, this makes sense. Let's get some good rest and catch up on West Coast time. Right. Let's get our bodies right. acclimated to that. But uh, look, I, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. I don't know what their logistics are. So, um, you know, I, I think be nice but I, I don't know 
Um, let's I just know some. I just know yeah. some teams. I just know some teams do that, and it's interesting that they do that just because of that competitive advantage going back and forth across the country is 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 a, is a big haul for teams and stuff like that. So, um, hang on, real quick, Peggy Heisong, if you are listening right now, which I know you are, uh, I think you just accidentally angry reacted on Facebook to our podcast. So <laughs> go change your like. Uh, I just saw an angry face come through, and it says we have one one angry or reaction, and it is Peggy Heisong. So if you are mad at me, <laughs> we're gonna have a problem, Mom. I uh, know. I think it was just on accident. Um, Maybe she's mad I'm about like, something was said. Maybe I don't know. I, hey, I, hey, hey! You know what I learned a long time ago? You don't mess with Peggy High song. So I learned. <laughs> I, I learned that a long time ago. So uh, yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, let's get into it, Dustin. Let's pick some games. Um, how, last how we, week we tied. Um, so let's oh, get into it here. So what was our decision on the tie? What did we say on the tie? Oh, so then it was going to be a whoever was closer in terms of the game uh, prediction, the game which prediction, was right? Dustin is 23 to 14. Allie was 27 to 10. So I don't know how yeah. we want to do this. Like, I think, like we're pretty, <laughs> it's still pretty bad. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was closer in terms of offensive right. output, but lower but on. Yeah, that's actually a tie in the freaking score prediction, actually. Right. So I don't All right, know. Let, let's let's punt. We'll leave it a tie and go to next week. Let's leave week. it a tie for now. Let's okay. turn it over to this upcoming week. Let me get my notes up in front of me here. All right. So tomorrow night, Bucks at Bills. What do you got? Bills are looking well. I think the Bills have a bounce back game. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Bills here. I'm gonna go Bills here too, I think. Uh, Jets Giants. Jets, I like the Jets. I do too. I think I like the the Jets here. I think that they're a better overall football team, regardless of the quarterback. Especially on defense. Especially on defense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going Jets. Jags at Steelers. Jags, and here's why I go Jags. I I realize the uh, Steelers have, you know, a great defense. They have a putrid offense, and I just think the Jacksonville Jaguars have a better offense. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Eagles at Commanders. Eagles. Wait, did Eagles I pick? Like... I didn't pick. I didn't pick. I'm sorry. I got distracted oh, yeah. and I didn't pick. I'm going Jags here as well. Eagles at Commanders. Eagles. Eagles. Yep. Rams at Cowboys. Ooh. Interesting. I'm going to go mm-hmm. Cowboys. I'm going I'm to go with the Cowboys on this one at home. Uh, but I think this is a relatively close game. I'm going to go... I'll go Cowboys. I'll go okay. Cowboys. Cowboys. Um, Vikings at Packers. Vikings. Vikings. Yep, they look good. So I think they're starting to finally hit their groove. Falcons at Titans. Falcons. I'm going to go Titans here. Um, I think that the Falcons, they have figured it out in terms of how to win with a, a relatively bad team. Um. I think that they've gotten lucky in a lot of ways. I think that the Titans at home, I'm going to, I'm going to go Titans here. Um, Patriots and Dolphins. 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 Saints at Colts. Oh, that's an interesting. That's, well, that is interest. I mean, Gardner Minshew, I mean, he's a pick machine, but uh, a turnover machine. Um, I'm going to go. Who is, who are the Colts playing? Sorry. Saints at Colts. 
Saints. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. go. I'm gonna go Colts bounce back in this game. They're pissed off about the game against the Browns. I think they, I'm gonna take the Colts. I'm gonna go with the Saints here. Um, Texans at Panthers. Number one uh, and number two overall draft picks. CJ's playing great. Uh, I'm gonna go. Te- I'm gonna go Texans. Um, agree. Browns at Seahawks. I'm going to pick the Browns in this one just because it's minus three and a half. It's kind of a toss-up if it wasn't there. I think the Browns' defense comes out on top in this game. I'm going to go Browns. Brownies, give it to me. Bengals at 49ers. Now, this will be a damn good football game. Um, I, I don't know what to take of of the Niners right now. I know Purdy's now in concussion protocol, which means – uh, who's the quarterback? Uh, I'm trying to think of their backup there. D- Sam Darnold's going to be the quarterback probably for this football game. Um, give me – sorry, who are the Niners playing? Who they got? Bengals. As much as I hate to say it, I'm going to go – you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say the defense wins this game and figures out the Bengals. I'm going to go 49ers. They can't lose three in a row. That's my – that's my – I'm sticking okay. to that. Um, I'm going to go Bengals. I think they do go – Moves three in a row. Um, Chiefs at Broncos. Chiefs, easy. Chiefs. Ravens at Cardinals. As much as I want the Cardinals to win this game, the Ravens are the better team, and the Ravens yeah. looked really good this last weekend. Yeah, yeah, Ravens a lot here. Uh, Bears at Chargers. <laughs> this will be – you know, I think Chargers need to win a game. Uh, I'm going to give this one to the Chargers. They figured yeah. out this weekend. In a, in a blowout. I think this is a big game for the Chargers. And last but not least, Raiders at the Lions. Okay. I don't know what the hell. I need a David Minute moment on this show. I don't know what the hell happened to the Lions last week against the freaking Ravens, but they better get it figured out. I think they will. And I think they, they have. And I think they have a big bounce back game here, but I was like shocked when I was watching on the television. I was well, like, the- <laughs> to be fair, the same thing happened to uh, our Cleveland Browns against the, that Ravens team. Sometimes they just get hot and they they go well, off. Yeah, but they it's- but they didn't have like the 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 Lions had their whole starting crew out there. Like they had their. Uh, I mean, they're they're crew. down. They're down. David Montgomery. They're they're beat up. I mean, like I look. I think they got absolutely stomped, but. Ravens. It's a, it was just shocking. It was just shocking to see yeah, twenty to nothing with. Yeah, I don't think anybody did. Yeah. No, but I am going to go with Lions here. I think that they they figured out in this game. Yeah. By the way, you All picked right. the Ravens. By the way, last week in that game, you saw that come. You saw that. I did. Coming. I knew it. I, I knew it. Uh, before we wrap up, Dustin, why don't you tell our listeners about Cleveland whiskey? Well, if you haven't had Cleveland whiskey, go over to your local uh, uh, local. Uh, Ohio liquor stores look for uh, Cleveland whiskey, the Magic Rabbit. They have all the different flavors. Um, or go to your local establishments in Ohio, and if they don't have it, ask for it. The Magic Rabbit. Uh, they've got this uh, wonderful underground. They have all the different uh, whiskeys that you can get there, but it's great. I'm enjoying a little bit tonight, a little celebratory. Um, and Allie, it's funny, but I got this mug. It came on Monday. I thought it was so poetic that mm-hmm. I got my Victory Monday mug mailed to me, and it landed. In the mail on Monday. So I was like, there it is. It was meant to be Victory Monday for the Browns. Um, but uh, yeah, get yourself some Cleveland whiskey. It's always great stuff. And by the way, if you haven't figured out where you want to go in spring break or take the family or do something fun, those payment plans for the Browns fans cruise is just about wrapping up. Uh, you can still uh, buy some packages, but the uh, actual 
uh, packages for the payment plans are wrapping up. But guys, the, there's some room still to get on that. A lot of people, over 17 alumni will be on this. Go to brownsfancruise.com. Join Allie and I for that cruise on March 11th as we go to Jamaica, the Bahamas, and enjoy the islands and all the fun-filled things that happen on cruises because that's going to be a lot of fun. And I can't wait to get out of the cold and go enjoy some wonderful weather. And, by the way, I have lost 16 pounds. Heck so yeah. I feel... I That's feel great. so good right now. So I'm like, all right, by March, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, there you go. I'm, there you have it. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready for the beach. I'm going to be ready for the beach. All right. I believe you. That's, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, guys, this has been a, a long show and I'm tired of talking. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. Stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, Browns fans, go Browns. Go Browns. <laughs>